I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Mike Tomlin gave his final press conference of the season, and it gave some interesting insight into the Steelers' plans. One, how will they operate at quarterback with Mason Ruff headed to free agency and Kenny Pickett still on the roster? Two, what will they do with offensive coordinator? And three, what's going on with the players in the locker room? Who could be the leaders stepping forward on offense? All that more here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter, Brian Batko from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm Chris Carter. He's Brian Batko. As always, we, we, we come to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on the North Shore Drive Podcast, talking all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And as always, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily content that comes out from all of our different sports writers, including Chip Hammond Football on Tuesdays with Brian Batko and our special guests. Let's go. Of course, this show is also always sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. Go to Mike's Beer Bar today on the North Shore, right across the street from PNC Park, and you can get what you can get one of 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are local, and 80 of those beers are available on tap. While you're there, you can see you can watch from over 20 televisions where things are on on TV. You can find whatever game you want. You can even reserve the game that you want. And while you're enjoying all the amazing beers there, more on Mike's Beer Bar later. Brian, we just we just sat through a Tomlin press conference. We got to hear uh, his words at the end of the season. Now, Mike Tomlin did you know confirm kind of what we were talking about about or what we kind of already got the sense of that he was going to return next season, and you know he's basically said his extension would happen when it would happen. But one of the big questions that that, that we wanted to know is what's going to happen at quarterback because Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky are the only two quarterbacks the Steelers have under contract going into the off season. Mason Rudolph is set to be a free agent. Mike Tomlin acknowledged that, uh, but Brian. When asked about Mike, Mike about Kenny Pickett being a starter, Mike Tomlin said this, and I want to get your reaction after we play this clip because it didn't sound like a concrete answer. But here was Mike Tomlin. Although, uh, Kenny resumed, you know he will, but obviously there will be competition. There all, there's always competition in this thing. Um, we don't anoint anyone. Um, man, I'm appreciative of his efforts and where he is and. Excited about continuing to work with him, but certainly um, he will be challenged from a competition perspective uh, moving forward. Um, competition brings the best out in all of us. So, Brian, what's your reaction to hearing that when asked if Kenny Pickett's going to be QB1? Yeah, I mean, 
take it at face value and the answer was he will, but that's about the quickest but you could ever have. It, it, mm-hmm. And, you know, how many times have we listened to Mike Tomlin answer a question that he thinks is academic, to use his word, after the Bills game, and he just one-words it? Yes. He could have just said yes, or he will. But to to then turn around and, like I said, rapidly put out that they won't anoint anybody, I didn't really come away from that presser thinking Kenny's definitely going to be starting week one next year. That could mean... Hey, we're not going to change the depth chart. We're he's still the he's still the number one quarterback because he started fourteen of eighteen games for us this season or whatever whatever it ended up being eleven or twelve uh, due to injuries. But yeah, I mean I, that that just wasn't a huge vote of confidence in in Kenny to me. That's not how I read it. I think short of saying the words Kenny's our starting quarterback, that's what we're going into this offseason. That's how we're operating. I just didn't really uh, get the sense that they're totally committed to him. And I thought the competition portion of that answer had a lot more weight to it than the beginning of it, which is sort of what's shaping uh, a lot of people's reactions to that wrap-up presser from Mike. Tomlin added, like, you know, he said the Steelers want to re-sign Mason North, but he acknowledges that free agency is is a factor that can be out of their control. Um, And I want to get your thoughts do you think there's a likelihood that Mason Rudolph resigns to the Steelers? Do you think he says, man, I've been pushed to the back too often here. I'm going to sign with somebody else. And does somebody want to sign him? Because nobody wanted to last year. I don't know if I'd use the word likelihood, but I think it's more likely than not. Uh, maybe I'm 51-49 on that. But if I had to guess, I think Rudolph's in that black number two jersey uh, for their first game next season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, I guess you take everything in, in totality – his answers about Kenny Pickett sounded more like a head coach talking about his starter. His answers about Mason Rudolph sounded more like a head coach talking about his backup. But I, I thought he was a little more complimentary of Rudolph than I would have expected. He was he was complimentary of, of Kenny Pickett, but I didn't really think he was going to um, you know tip his hand too much. Why would you? How could you? After some of the uh, discouraging steps back from Kenny this season. So... Um, didn't seem like they're they're going to be too uh, you know in the market right now for free agents. So my best you know stab at what the quarterback depth chart is looking like uh, when when they report for OTAs or uh, even you know mini camp would be Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, and probably like a late round rookie who might have some upside because I think you're covering your bases with a high floor and you know production now with those other two for the most part. I do agree because like, I mean, they're cutting Mitch Trubisky. They're not, they're not paying him the money that they're paying him with the way that he played this past year. If you can find a way to, to, to get rid of, to, to get Mason Ruff back in the room at a reasonable price, I agree with you. The move would be to draft a mid round quarterback guy who you could bring some young life to the offense and develop or it. Late round, as long as it's not Chris Oladokun. I mean, like that was that's the same mid mid round. Like, like, yeah, like, like when I'm, when I'm saying mid, I'm talking third or fourth, not even fifth at that point, like, like third or fourth round, you know, if, even if you have to like trade to get another pick in one of those rounds. Yeah, I'm saying maybe go later than that, actually. I'm just, oh, you're saying fifth or sixth. I would just, yeah, I would just want somebody with a little bit more, um, you know, pedigree than the, the guy that they took in the same draft as Kenny, who didn't even make it to, uh, to the last round of roster cuts. So 
No, I hear, I hear that entirely. And I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. I think Mike Tomlin is trying to walk the line of he wants to show confidence in Kenny Pickett, but he's also not trying to bank on like, like not like openly bank on him so that it's like, he's going back on his words. I think that that that's a tight right rope that he's going to have to walk right now because you, you still want to see if he can be your starting quarterback. I mean, in, in games that he started and finished as the quarterback, he was seven and two. Yes. He didn't get the stats that you wanted. He didn't you know produce the offense that you wanted. Uh, but I think with the obvious, you know, problems with Matt Canada and things that were going on and the improvements after Matt Canada left, and the fact that Kenny Pickett only got like a game and a quarter after at, you know in that post period, you know you might well say like, hey, we want to give him another shot, and you don't want to tell him, oh, we don't believe in you because then that could ruin things forever. But at the same time, you're not pigeonholing yourself into a situation where he is your guy and that's it. Yeah, I actually think you know drafting somebody in the third or fourth round to me that would shake the, shake up the apple cart a little bit too much. Probably it'd, it'd be like, mm. all right, well, what do you really think of? Pickett and Rudolph if you're spending those mid-round resources on a quarterback but didn't get the vibe from Tomlin on Thursday that they're going to go free agent hunting or trade hunting or, or anything like that I suppose if if that is something that they had in mind you you wouldn't want to uh, broadcast that publicly to the other 31 GMs but I, I certainly take a lot of that at, at face value so I hear you there. What I think is going to be really interesting, too, is what the offense even looks like structurally next year, uh, because Mike Tomlin also spoke about the future of offensive coordinator. We'll get to that comment as well here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter, Brian Backo stick with us. Got a lot to discuss. But first, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. When you go to Mike's Beer Bar, it's on Federal Street, right across the street from PNC Park. Like I said before, they have over 500 different available beers. And if you don't understand how many different beers that actually is, I'm talking about sours. I'm talking about stouts, IPAs, pale ales, red ales, gold ales. They got everything you could imagine and so many different flavors that you didn't think. If you if there's a flavor of beer that you've never thought about trying and they've got it, you could go there and sample all different types of it. And that's where Mike's Beer Bar is amazing because you go in there and you never run out of options. You can order flights on flights on flights. We did all season long at when we were at Mike's Beer Bar for our normal Friday episodes during the season. And I brought I showed you guys several of the beers they had there. Go to Mike's Beer Bar today for that best bar experience and also order, order their amazing meal options. They have steak on a stone. They also have seafood on a stone. Either way, you get it brought to you. you every piece you cut off, you press into the stone. You choose how well done you want each piece of those meats to be brought right to be to be right before you eat it it's an amazing it's amazing time go to mike's beer bar the best bar in all of pittsburgh and when you get there tell him chris sent you i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, uh, Brian Backo, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, let's talk about the offensive coordinator comments. Mike Tomlin does officially say, 
well, not, I guess it's not official, but he says publicly the Steelers will be looking outside of the organization for their next offensive coordinator hire. And it seemed like there was great rejoicing across Pittsburgh when they heard that, because of course the last two hires were Matt Canada, who was a promotion from within after being an outside hire to be the quarterback coach and Randy Feetner, who had been with the team for several years. The last time there was an outside hire at offensive coordinator, it was Todd Haley, how what, what, how far do you think this search goes for the Steelers? Is this one where they, you think they turn over every rock in the conversation? Is Cliff Kingsbury still in Thailand? Because I guess that would be pretty far. <laughs> in fact, I just saw that he was interviewing with the Bears for their vacant offensive coordinator position. He fits the only prerequisite that, that Mike Tomlin laid out for us, and that was NFL play calling slash offensive coordinator experience, right? He said that, Chris. I'm not a... I'm mm-hmm. misquoting him yes. or or you know mincing his words the may I, the, the way I may have done in the first segment with Kenny Pickett, but uh, you know I thought that was interesting because to me from the moment they fired Matt Canada midseason, I figured there's two ways they can go: get somebody who's been in that chair and done it, unlike Canada who had been in that chair many times in the college ranks but not in the pros, and clearly two enough two and a half seasons was enough of a sample size to say he ain't it for us at this level. But they could have also, you know, tried to get the next uh, apple to fall from the Shanahan or McVeigh trees, maybe guys who have not had that opportunity to call their own plays. I would point out that somebody like Mike uh, Mike McDaniel down in Miami with the Dolphins was not, uh, you know, had never done it. He'd only learned at the foot of those guys over the years. And yet, you know, I'd say he's doing a pretty good job dialing things up offensively in Miami. Wild card round loss in zero degrees minus temperatures in Kansas City, notwithstanding. But my point is, I mean, I think that does narrow the pool as we get into speculation season about who might be on the short list for the Steelers, who they might interview. And, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that because the, the only other prere- prerequisite that Mike Tomlin specified was that the next offensive coordinator cannot be named Eddie Faulkner or Mike Sullivan. So it's good to see that he is finally going to go outside the organization. There's a lot of Mike Sullivan's who coach. Maybe I shouldn't say that specifically, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I liked a lot of what I heard from Tomlin on, on that front in terms of being open to change, you know, willingness to start looking at things in a little bit different way because of the lack of success they've had over the last seven years. Normally in these end of season, January wrap ups, Chris, you've been there for a lot of them. He says they're not going to change for the sake of change. But when he was asked about why he's not going to promote from within again to that most important position, he said because he thinks it's appropriate. So that tells you he's at least starting to recognize there that they've they've got to do things differently. They've got to get a fresh set of eyes. Some people will listen and, and look at this and say it's too little too late. You could have done that last offseason, even if you wanted to retain Matt Canada for continuity. He could have brought in somebody uh, with with a little bit longer track record who, you know, maybe would be able to hit the ground running next year. But that wasn't the case. Now we know they're going to cast. Well, they didn't say they'll cast a wide net, but, um, you know, you're going to get into it. Uh, Let me just warn people a little bit here. Right. So if Mike says he wants somebody who's been an NFL offensive coordinator before, you're going to get some guys talked to who are have the quote unquote retread label. They're going to be available after having been an NFL offensive coordinator for a reason. Uh, they their their last right. most recent stop probably didn't go that great, or at least right. the end results um, didn't lead them to a head coaching job or 
keep them in that chair with their current team. So uh, that'll all be very intriguing. Uh, it's there, there, there are plenty of names out there. We still got to see a little bit how the coaching carousel shakes out, I suppose, to know who is and isn't available for this gig. But somebody like Eric Bieniemy comes to mind if he is not back uh, with the commanders. Um, you know, somebody like Greg Roman is interviewing with the Bears. Would you really want a guy that the Ravens deemed not good enough? Maybe not. You know, Luke Getzey's local. Is it still up in the air whether Alex Van Pelt's going to be back in Cleveland? Is that oh, no? He's gone. They, they definitely gone. Him. Okay, yeah. I know that they fired a couple assistants, and last I'd seen, Van Pelt was maybe in, maybe out. But um, yeah, I mean, th- those are names that probably don't do a lot for you because they were their contracts weren't renewed or they were fired for a reason. So um, we'll see. At, at least they're not Matt Canada. I guess that's the the bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I also think, you know, when you talk about familiarity, a lot of people, you know, I, I had some questions in my mentions uh, after I tweeted out Tomlin's statement he was going outside the organization. Like, well, hopefully it's not a buddy hired. I'm like, uh, the people that Mike Tomlin would call buddy is a pretty wide range. In fact, like him and Eric Bieniemy are buddies. They're former coaches together. They coached together at the Vikings back in the mid-2000s before Mike Tomlin came to the Steelers. So uh, Mike Tomlin's network is is pretty large as far as coaches that he could claim are a buddy, and I, I think that could be interesting. But outside of Eric Bieniemy, because he's going to be the biggest name here, you look around the league, you know, you talk about Luke Getze. I think another guy could be interesting as far as trying to scoop off of another team that just fired a head coach, Kellen Moore, uh, you know, and what he had done. Uh, what he's done, he was just with the Chargers. And of course, Staley's been fired from the Chargers. And, you know, we got to see how you know, the Chargers want to handle uh, their their situation. But Shane Waldron, you know, Seattle's another one. Exactly. Yes, that, that, that's, a, that's another one. Wald, Waldron with, the, with, with their records. Um, you know, I look at a guy like Moore. And one thing I look at is what is the track record of your offenses? You know, how many times has your, has your offense been among the best? And if you look at what Moore was able to do uh before before with the chart before the Chargers when he was with the Cowboys he had an, a top 10 offense in scoring and in yards three of his four years there um so that's where that's something that I would be looking at and being saying like hey guys like that who have a track record of working with franchise quarterbacks who have a track record of you know generating points on offense those are the guys I think that Mike Tomlin and the front office should explore to bring it and say hey your job is to get this offense going. And, and to me, if I'm a coordinator and I'm looking to make my stamp on, on a thing, the, the Steelers are still one of the crown jewel franchises of the NFL. They're one of the more recognized names. And they're on TV. People people turn on whether to see them win or lose. Um, and if you could turn down what's been an historically down period for the Steelers offense, that could set you up for your next head coaching gig. Yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody who's been a head coach before now isn't, but I think, you know, his – Resume as a coordinator got him there is Arthur Smith in Atlanta. I would say, you know, not a bad mind for scheme at all. Mm. It's just wagon to a quarterback who's very questionable in Desmond Ritter. That ultimately falls on him. Um, you know, gee, an organization holding the head coach accountable for personnel decisions. That's pretty wild, but um, that's, <laughs> that's a topic for another show, I suppose. And well, certainly one we've covered plenty uh, with Mike Tomlin. He's, he's back now. That's, water under the bridge and I joked about him at the beginning but Cliff Kingsbury you could do worse than him to me um with this set of parameters for what you want in your next coordinator you know whether you're talking about him or Arthur Smith there are guys who 
have great minds for offensive design and structure and even feels for play calling, but just aren't cut out to be head coaches for whatever reason. Right. They just don't have the personality for that. They're they're not there's so much that goes into that role. You're doing a million things over the course of every individual season. And, you know, maybe you're best suited as just being in charge of one particular unit. So um, I wouldn't dismiss a guy just because he had a failed tenure or a brief tenure as an NFL head coach. That doesn't mean he's a bad head coach for the offense, which is essentially what you'll be when you're in Pittsburgh. Although I guess sometimes at the end of games, Mike Tomlin might get into your ear and tell you it's time to play to win rhythm pass, go for the win. Um, But, you know, I think that was a little bit of a different situation considering they're working with some, some interim coordinators and play callers there toward the end of this season. I mean, heck, the, the Steelers have done that before. That's what Todd, Todd Haley was, an, a head coach that didn't work out in yeah. Kansas City. And for about, I think it was four of his five years with the team. Uh, I know three of his, you know, three three of his four, uh, three of his five years with the team. Uh, they, they were a top 10 offense. And, you know, he was able to bring that. And I agree with you. There are lots of guys out there who have, who have been whiz kid offensive coordinators, but, or, or offensive minds even. And when they got to be head coach, their offense, you know, certainly had a lot of really good schemes to it, but they weren't the CEO who could keep the shift together. You know, I, I think Mike McDaniels could be in that conversation if the Josh Dolphins. Are you Josh saying Josh McDaniels? Yeah. No, no, uh, oh, Mike okay. McDaniel. Oh, oh, you're, oh, you're casting doubt on Mike McDaniels' possible head coach um, viability long-term. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, you see, you've seen that team fall apart in the in the past, late in the past two seasons. I'm not, I'm not dooming them to keep doing that. But if he doesn't get complete, you know, co- complete showing throughout a season, there's going to be questions there in Miami. So I know there already are because I, I listen to you know certain different Miami people, and they're like, man, like is is he just going to you know be able to call plays, but not everything else falls apart around him? Um, those are legitimate questions of, of guys like that. And, and again, that's not a that's not a, uh, me saying that he can't do that, but those are questions being asked right now. So I, I agree with you. They shouldn't be, you know, passing up on guys like Cliff Kingsbury or just because they've had bad head coaching experiences. If you if you have a history of calling a good offense, understanding modern concepts that make things easier for quarterbacks, the Steelers need to be bringing you into their front office. Josh McDaniels. I mean, he was has not been a good head coach in his multiple stops, but I don't think the biggest issues with uh, with him atop the Raiders and who else was he with? The Broncos? Broncos, yeah, um, he was a head coach. But 8-0 and then 8-8. Eight yeah, I don't know that it was because he didn't understand offensive scheme or wasn't doing a good job play calling. I think uh, some of what you just uh, outlined is probably the bigger issue with him as the CEO of a franchise. I, I wouldn't mind uh, talking to him and seeing what kind of ideas he has for a Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph-led offense. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying there is that you can find those guys who do those offensive things. Like Mike Tomlin's not an offensive guy. Like he's not he's not drawing up the schemes. He's not you know being the mastermind behind behind any of that. He needs a guy to do that. But what Mike Tomlin does do well is the CEO side of things. He knows how do to balance think, plays. Along this line, and last thing we'll say on this discussion sure, because sure. he he was he wasn't specifically asked about this because it'd be a little bit in the weeds for a press conference, I think. But what about one of these guys like enemy who isn't viewed as like they they come from a offensive play calling head coach and thus they're often not blocked by to take an offensive coordinator position where they will 
though they won't have a promotion in title, but they will enroll and you give a guy a chance to show, hey, I can be the one with the play sheet in my hand and I can make the calls. I wonder if there's anybody else out there like that for the Steelers that they could look to. It would maybe not satisfy Tomlin and that you haven't done it at the NFL level. You haven't been a play caller, but you've been an offensive coordinator. That That's, uh, I guess, kind of a catch-22 there in, in that uh, answer. Well, that was the that was the holdback that many people had on Bienemy, right? Because he wasn't the play caller in Kansas City. Uh, I think he did an all right job as a play caller in 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 Washington with the Commanders. I mean, they didn't have a great offense, but with Sam Howell and that and what they had, I thought that they were they were finding some interesting things to work for them. Uh, you know what? I believe that was the situation for Alex Van Pelt, the guy the Browns used as far as yeah. the more pit quarterbacks. Kevin yeah. um, Stefanski calls the plays there. Exactly. So I'm, I'm right with you. That's also something the Steelers need to explore. We'll keep exploring this topic as the offseason rolls on. You have to uh, pay those guys, by the way. Yes, you do have to pay those guys. They, they're not they're not going to come cheap. The Roonies do have to open up the they're not going to go from OC to OC. Right. For, you know, minimal. Pay. So, yeah. Absolutely. We'll keep talking about this topic as things move forward, but we want to talk about some of the player situations and how we see things moving forward, how Mike Thomas addressed some things, and also how the players were addressing things at the end of the season when we were going through locker room clean-out days. All that here and more on the North Shore Drive podcast, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Stick with us. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter, back, Brian Batko, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, let's talk about a few things here players-wise. So I thought this dynamic was interesting, in, in especially in reference to two specific offensive players. Najee Harris, after the loss to the Bills, brings up the need for more in-house rules and he said i'm not calling up a coach i'm not calling up player i'm saying there need to be more in-house rules for discipline to get make sure guys are committed pat frymuth is asked about that and kind of dismisses it says well you know whatever Najee said that's what he said but he kind of gives a tacit like i don't agree with that at least the way otherwise you'd say i agree (laughs) right like Like, yeah he he did not agree he did not agree with that and then uh during mike Tomlin's press conference i asked him about emerging leaders and Mike Tomlin, the only name that he gave when I asked him for a name was Pat Fryermuth. And, I mean, I'm sure there's other guys out there. And I guess you could also say Najee Harris had been a leader because he's been a team captain before. But do you think that there's a, maybe a growing rift between who could be the leading voice on offense going into next season? I don't know if I would use the word rift, but I did think it was I, – I, I think this story has been percolating for four months now going back to captain vote and it's Kenny Pickett, nobody else from the offense. You can have two Steelers often did have two. Why did Najee Harris essentially lose that position either, you know, by sort of ordained by Mike Tomlin or voted on by players either way. I don't, you know, I don't know what's better or what's worse. It's just that whole deal has been strange to me because, you know, Tomlin 
was talking so much about how Mike, you know, we're cultivating Najee Harris as a leader. We're getting him with Cam Hayward. We're getting him with guys who can show him how to be that person. And he wants to be that. And, and we need that from him. And that all just kind of went out the window for whatever this year, for whatever reason, Najee's been sort of cryptic in comments from time to time. I, I think Mike Tomlin has sort of dodged those questions a lot over the course of this season. It's just, it's just a little weird that Najee Harris decided to open up the way he did after that Bills game. Yeah, Like I wrote in that story, I mean, I, I was the one who saw him kind of just trying to sneak out of there and knowing that you never know what you're going to get from 22, I stopped him to chat. And for somebody who seemed all too content to not say a word, he had a lot to say. So I don't, uh, I, I don't know what it means for Najee Harris and how he feels about his standing on this team. Is there a vibe that, hey, I was the face of this offense, then you draft Kenny Pitt? I've used this analogy. Well, I don't know if I've used it on here and maybe in a radio interview, but like talking about the dynamic between Kenny Pickett and the offense. And then when Mason Rudolph came in and his rapport with everybody in offense, it was kind of like going from an arranged marriage to just the guy next door who all of a sudden was just always there. Yeah. He's always friendly. And you said hi to him in the yard. And next thing you know, he's kind of sweeping you off your feet. Like I, everybody, I think, was behind Kenny Pickett at the beginning of the season, but sort of because he was QB one, like, what else are you going to say? What else, what else are you going to do? You're not going to rock the boat in that way. Right. Many players want to see more out of Kenny from a leadership perspective. And I will acknowledge a lot of the best quote unquote leadership comes when you're producing. It comes when mm -hmm. you're helping the team with how you perform on the field. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great leaders in waiting, but they're not NFL caliber starting quarterbacks. So they're sitting third, they're wearing street clothes right uh, during, during games or they're holding clipboards so that's always interesting that way and I, this is where I'll criticize Mike Tomlin to a degree on this front too when Najee Harris starts it takes great pains to say that it's not necessarily about the coaches but he thinks they need more in-house roles more discipline I think he's talking about maybe other players on this offense I think we can easily look around and say who have been the ones who've been in hot water at times for not being accountable, not always busting their butts. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, two guys yeah. who always want the ball, but don't always do the right thing when, the, when they're between the lines and not getting the ball. And that's where I'd say it's on Tomlin as a head coach too. You've got to develop guys into players that you can win with rather than people who are going to divide your locker room. And I don't know that there's a ton of that happening in recent years with the Steelers. I mean, look at Chase Claypool as an example. He lost the plot. Like, yeah, some of that's on him. But, what, you know, why isn't Mike Tomlin helping that guy sort of keep it between the ears? Right. And, you know, one one time you could say, all right, you know, that's whatever. He, he was just somebody who didn't get it. But now that it's maybe happening again with Pickens, another super talented wide receiver who doesn't always say the right thing and isn't always doing the right thing on the field. Then I think you I, I have to you have to start questioning the head coach and say why is he not developing players into the types of pros that you want them to be? Well, I mean, albeit it's still early for Pickens, we'll see what happens. But it's also a little bit discouraging to see somebody like Deontay Johnson getting paid the way he is, and you know, still feeling like he can take some liberties the way that he does at times in year five. No, I feel you on that. And I think this is something I brought up. Uh, I, I talked with uh, Michael Smith, who's with Amazon, 
Uh, now he used to do the six on ESPN. Uh, you know, I asked him his thoughts on 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 uh, Mike Tomlin, and he he said a very similar thing as far as like, listen, Mike does a great job challenging guys to meet the meet the bar, and he lets them know like, hey, this is where I need you. But if they don't get there, he might like digging you a little bit, but he's not gonna like get in your face and yell. In fact, that was another th- clip that you know from Broderick Jones. He's like, Mike Tomlin's a different coach than I've ever had. Like he doesn't yell at me. He like he tells me what it is, and I gotta go do it. And it's it's that clear. And I think that approach works for a lot of players. But there are, as you can see over the years, like, you know, the the Steelers, you know, for every, you know, one Chase Claypool, there's T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Marquise Pouncey, David Cad. You can just go down the line of how many players that have developed very well under Mike Tomlin. But are there times when Mike Tomlin does have to change who he is with one or two players? You know, that was something that Mike Wagner uh, of the 70 Steelers acknowledged that Chuck Noll did with Terry Bradshaw. He's like, Chuck Noll would never bend for any of us, but for Terry, he would. And that was helped make Terry Bradshaw a four-time Super Bowl champion quarterback. Um, you know, does Mike Tomlin need to do that? I think that's an important conversation moving forward with players like Pickens, Johnson, et cetera. Yeah, and it's, uh, again, I liked a lot of what I heard from Mike on Thursday because I think, at least for me, the the sort of last – thing that you can hold on to and grasp onto to um you know justify keeping him in this position is that he's open to change give him another chance to right the wrongs made on on the offensive side of the ball especially from a coaching standpoint and you know don't uh don't get complacent and keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results and i guess you know the the opponents of of that line of thinking are the people who think mike tomlin's should have should be gone or should have been gone yesterday would say how many times are you going to say that like you mean it this time really Mm -hmm. okay which i can't really argue with that but um you know there's at least something now tangible hey we're not just promoting from within again we're not just bumping up glenn thomas from right offensive assistant to offensive coordinator who now is uh where to go nebraska so yeah i mean it's that's at least encouraging Remains to be seen who they actually bring in here to do it. We'll have our own opinions and analysis on it when it when that move gets made. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll we at least can can nail down a little bit now of something like okay, what measures is Tomlin taking to change? That's one of them, and that's at least within his control and, and something that he can legitimately do uh, to to rectify all that has ailed them for the better part of these uh, this seven-year playoff drought. We have a lot more time in the offseason to discuss all of this. We'll keep you updated here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Brian Backo, stick with us. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you all for tuning in to the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll be back Monday with more on your Pittsburgh Steelers and everything else going on with this offseason. Stay tuned here, though. Uh, myself and Noah Hiles are traveling down to, to Durham, North Carolina, to watch Pitt take on Duke. Pitt's had a rough, rough spell, and now they face the best team in the ACC. It's going to be very interesting how they, how ready they for play. Ready the Cameron Crazies, Chris? I'm not ready for the Cameron Crazies. Cameron Crazies versus Chris Carter. Oh, listen. They don't want this work. I I, I, I am the original CC. They can get the heck out of here with that. Are you and Noah road tripping down there? You are road tripping together, baby. It's going right. to be a while when we leave in the morning, actually. Pack so. some snacks. Pack some bottled water. Hopefully, pack my playlist. That's bad. what we want. <laughs> Hopefully the weather is not too bad. It's supposed to be cold, but not like not like what it's up here cold. So I just I'll mean the, it's supposed to snow uh, 
Oh yeah, oh, we're yeah. we're beating that. We're beating that. But hey, All we right. got to get out of here from the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Chris Carter, Brian Fatko. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all the sports coverage from the Post Gazette that we have to offer, visit post-gazette.com.